Thank you for the uh, invitation to come again and with, be with you and most importantly have this precious time of sharing the word of God. I would uh, direct your attention to the book of Luke, the second chapter, and uh, starting uh, to read at verse 21. Now, it might seem strange that we would look at this passage uh, because it's uh, so much connected with uh, the uh, the birth narrative of our Lord, uh, and uh, and yet um, I I would like to uh, encourage you as we look at this passage together uh, to see uh, a great wonder that occurs in this passage, and uh, I just uh, am overwhelmed that. Uh, God uh, has enabled me to um, appreciate this wonder in a way in which I had never thought of before. So, with that said, let's read the Word of God. Beginning at Luke 2, verse 21. Let's rise. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And when it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against you. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I'm going to read just a little bit more. 
And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Israel, in Jerusalem. May God add his reading to the I've had his blessing to the reading of this word. Please be seated. I became a Christian in my senior year of college through the labors of uh, my now wife. Um, And in my pseudo-intellectual pride, I uh, had problems with uh, the gospel uh, because I I really didn't know the gospel. I thought I did, grew up in the church. But when she started talking about the fact that I, a human being, could have a, a relationship with God... That was something I never quite thought about. Of course, I understood that God was uh, infinite and holy and just and righteous to the infant, to the omnipotent. You know, I understood that on some level, enough to fear Him. But to be able to know Him and to fellowship with Him and to experience uh, his presence in my life, for God to be personal, was an utterly foreign concept to my mind. And it was that that kind of drew me to him. And God used that to bring me to know God and to be able to have fellowship with him. In Luke chapter 2, in these stories about a man called Simeon and a woman named Anna, you have a remarkable picture that is presented in this story, in this narrative, this word of God. A remarkable picture about how the powerful and infinite and holy God comes to live among his people, comes to dwell with us. Indeed, the fulfillment of the promise of the name of Christ, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Only the Bible reveals Christ as a 
holy, transcendent, infinite God who has that, who is at the same time human and with us. Only the Bible enables us to understand how that can be. How is it that the creature can live with the creator? How is it that sinful human flesh can know God and have a relationship with him that is so connected that it can't be destroyed, it can't be broken apart once that relationship is established by faith in Christ? God is indeed infinite. God is indeed transcendent and holy. And yet he is also here. Personal. Among us. With us. In us. I want to talk just a few minutes about this setting. That is here in this passage. We're at the Jerusalem temple. The people who are um, spoken of are Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. Along with two Mature and indeed one at least is identified as a rather elderly widow. Simeon and Anna, respectively. We know these two people solely from this passage. The occasion that brings them here to the temple is the what is the uh, uh, according to verse twenty two of the passage is that Christ has been circumcised and after the day of purification of Mary's purification according to the law they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him in accordance with the law of God the law being uh, uh, Leviticus twelve. Exodus 13, the law about presentation, the law about dedication of that which is the, 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 the child of the womb, the firstborn. In a certain sense, we find that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, is surrounded from infancy with godly folk. His mother and his father. Think about it. They were being obedient to God's laws. To the law of circumcision. To the law of purification. And to the law of presentation. Their obedience (coughs) surrounds our Lord. Even in his birth and his infancy. And to some degree... Their obedience undergirds his own claim to righteousness. In Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus will say, Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I don't come to destroy, but to fulfill. 
I come to keep the law. I'm the law keep, I'm the law giver and I'm the law keeper. And I do so on behalf of my people because you see they can't. You see they're not able. They're overcome by sin. Sin dwells in them. It separates me from them. And I want to be with them. Let's look for a little bit at uh, this, this man, Simeon. Look at how he is described. Just and devout. Reverent. In verse 25, in verse 25, it also says the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Verse 27, it says he came by the Spirit to the temple. He is waiting for something. He is waiting for something that the text describes as the consolation of Israel. He's waiting, waiting, waiting to see that day. When the consolation of Israel comes, when God's people are comforted and consoled by God himself, by God's presence with them. We don't know how long he's been waiting, but we assume from other places in the text where after he sees the Christ, he says, now your servant can depart in peace. Depart this world and go to the next. Because his eyes had seen the salvation of God in fulfillment of God's promises. Why is it that Simeon was waiting for God to console his people? After so many long years of God's people disobeying and God's God intervening and God bringing uh, mercy to his people and relieving them from temporal uh, difficulty, But this is more than just temporal problems. This is something that deals with God consoling his people regarding their sin and regarding their relationship with him. Perhaps in Simeon's mind and his thought, when he thinks about God bringing consolation and comfort to his people, perhaps his mind went to Isaiah 40 and verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is finished. Her iniquity is pardoned. And she hath received the Lord's, 
she hath received of the Lord's hand double for her sin. The kind of comfort that he's looking for is the comfort that comes from restoration of the right relationship between God and his people. A relationship that is broken because of our iniquity. Because of our sin. According to Isaiah 40, God consoles Israel because the war is over. Not an earthly war in the sense of nations fighting with one another, but it's a warfare between the creature and the creator. It's a warfare between God and his people caused by our sin. Notice also that uh, according to Isaiah 40 in verse 2 that the iniquity is pardoned. The sin is forgiven. God, you see, is about to forgive the sins of his people, Israel, his true people, the true Israel of God. He's about to forgive Israel of her sin. And in a certain sense, Isaiah 40 foreshadows the the uh, propitiation, the turning away of God's wrath that is necessary in order for us to be with God. Simeon had come to the temple because the Holy Spirit had spoken to him or had revealed to him that he needed to get to the temple. Verse 26 All these things, all these descriptive things about who Simeon was and what he did, all these things, I think, imply that Simeon is an elect child of God. And it's the amazing providence of God that leads this man to find Jesus in the temple. It was revealed to him, verse 26 and 27, by the Holy Spirit, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple. In other words, (laughs) he was led. He was led by God into the temple. He listened to what God had revealed to him, and he acted awaiting in hope for, for God's mercy, his consolation to be revealed. I ask you this question. Suppose Simeon had said, the temple's too far away. I've got too much work to do. I need to take time out and accomplish whatever chore it is. Suppose he had said that. This situation wouldn't be as wonderful as it turns out. He would have missed the Christ had he followed his own desires, wishes, and needs. But instead, the story indicates he obeyed God. Not really knowing 
what he's going to see, except that he is going to see the consolation of Israel. And that drove him. That was more important to him than anything else in his life. Simeon waited on the Lord. He waited and he waited and he waited. He waited for the Lord's consolation to come. But he kept coming. He kept going. He kept, he, that waiting didn't deter him. But he kept believing in what God had told him. And then we come to what I think is the most incredible picture that we have in this text. Look at verse 28. Then he, that's Simeon, took he, Christ, up in his arms and blessed God and said... Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to your word. Are you you getting that picture? Are you understanding that, that as Simeon takes Jesus from Mary, he puts the second person of the Godhead into his arms? What can be more personal, more a sign of God's presence with his people than for the infinite, excuse me, the infant child, God Almighty being held by a sinner, but a sinner who believes. I, I, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture, but as Simeon will later tell Mary, this child is going to be for the rise and fall of many in Israel. The price that must be paid for Simeon to do what he has done with Christ simply to hold him in his arms. That price is the death of that child. Because by his death, those who believe in him, those who are waiting for the consolation of Israel, those who trust in him, those who keep waiting, are by grace drawn into the family of God, adopted as his sons and daughters through faith in Christ.
don't forget that the lesson of being in God's presence up to this point was burned into the consciousness of the people of Israel. No one could go into the Holy of Holies except the high priest only once a year and only through purification. Nadab and Abihu, you might remember those guys, Nadab and Abihu tried to enter into the presence of God with strange fire, strange offering, and what happened? Struck dead. In 2 Samuel 6, it records a, another picture of a man who we only know from that text named Uzzah, who when the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was being moved, being transported from the Philistine people back to Israel. When that happened, he reached up his hand to steady the Ark because it looked like it was going to fall off the cart. And he was struck dead. Uzziah, a king of Israel, a, a mighty king, got overconfident, overproud. And he went into the Holy of Holies, into that area of the temple where he shouldn't have been. The priest tried to prevent him, but he went anyway. And the Lord struck him with leprosy for the rest of his life. These were, you don't mess around with the Holy of Holies. You don't mess around with God. He demands that you are righteous and clean in his sight. And the only way to be holy, righteous and clean, is by faith in Christ. Yes, Simeon can hold Jesus in his arms. But at what price? At what price? It will be the price of the blood sacrifice of the Christ that he is now holding. In this moment of Simeon cradling Jesus, sinful men who are redeemed, and holy God come together and give us a lasting picture of what God does for us as well. No one can come into God's presence unless God permits it and provides for it. Our Savior from this moment on, actually from the beginning of time, but he will embark upon the pathway that will lead him to the bloody cross, the cross foreordained in eternity. And as the redeemed sinner, you can now cast all your burdens on Jesus as baby Jesus declares, Yahweh is with you.
And He cares for you. And you see, can have that relationship with Him. Because even though our Savior has ascended into heaven long ago, after His resurrection, Christ is still with His people. Christ is still comforting His people. Christ is still consoling you even as Jesus would remind us before he left in John 14, verse 16, I will pray for the Father. and He will give you another comforter and he will abide with you forever. As the familiar Psalm 23 reminds us, The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of the, my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Jesus' last, excuse me, Simeon's last words to Mary are a warning. Christ brings life. Christ brings salvation. But with salvation, Christ also brings strife. And it's that strife that occurs in the world in which we live. The tension between our unbelief and the tension between faithfulness. And the world is constantly presenting before us everything to tear us away from Christ and to have fellowship with them and their ideas. You go through tension and strife practically every day. And you're bombarded practically every day from from the, 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 the thought patterns, the teaching of an ungodly world and an ungodly sinful world which appeals to our base nature. So we're tempted. And where do we go when we're tempted You need to go to the rock of your salvation. You need to go to the refuge that God has provided for you. You need to go to the salvation which is yours in Christ Jesus. And know that when you go, He is with you. 
Remember when I said earlier, as I started, how I had trouble reconciling or trouble understanding how the infinite holy God could be with a human being and I could have a personal relationship with him. Thank God I have understood in Jesus. To Jesus I flee and to his Holy Spirit which is my comforter each and every day of my life. When you are tempted, when you are tried through the strife of this world to embrace or just just beaten down by the world, by sin, by the kingdom of the evil one. I mean, what news is good news today? If you listen to any news, you're constantly bombarded with the impact of sin. We're, and that, you see, that, that drains us. That, that wars with our spirituality. When you are tempted to give up, when you're tempted to do something else rather than obey Christ, please remember Simeon with baby Jesus in his arms. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> oh, holy God, we are beyond uh, amazed the way in which you continually reveal to us the sal- your salvation plan in Christ. And Lord, we readily come before you and confess how utterly unworthy we are of that blessing. How amazed we are at how deep and how rich your word is. And how it really helps us to grow in our understanding of who you are and who we are before you. All glory goes to you, all praise goes to Christ for his redeeming work, his obedience, which is ours by faith. Continue to walk with your people as you have promised. And Lord, be their helper, be their encourager in times of stress and trial and difficulty. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.